and welcome to A Time to Thrill. This is Amy Austin. I also write as Silly Fox. I'm the author of the Casey Court series of legal thrillers, as well um, as romance and women's fiction. This month, I have the pleasure of talking with Sophia Henry. You are going to love her. She's the USA Today bestselling author of contemporary romance. Uh, When I met her, she was writing hockey romance. Um, But as she talks about in the interview, she has switched to straight contemporary. She's one of those writers. Let me say this. I have a certain kind of book I love in every genre. Um, For legal thrillers, um, as I've mentioned many times, I... The penultimate author for me is Elizabeth George, and maybe that's more of a police procedural, to be frank. Um, But she marries a mystery, murder mystery, and social commentary in a way that I think is beautiful and gorgeous and lovely. There are those kinds of authors for romance as well. I can list them, but maybe I'll interview them all, so you'll get to meet them yourself. Sophia Henry is one of those authors. She's one of those authors who sort of digs in deep um, and gives you all the feels and introduces you to characters whom you may never have met in real life. Um, It's sort of fascinating. So I met Sophia in 2019 in Houston, Texas. Um, Some of the authors I know occasionally put together writing conferences. Um, and there's a small conference in Houston at the Four Seasons um, that I've been to for the past, I guess, two years, and I will not be going this year, that I love. And so the conference organizer, who's um, a lovely author named Sky Warren, did this great thing last year. She gave us table tickets. Um, I'm going to say this. At meals, or I think two meals, she gave us table number tickets. And so instead of sitting with um, the clique of people that I may have known for the last 10 or so years um, that I've been writing, she sat us with people that we didn't know. And I don't know if I met Sophia there or um, in the conference generally, but I did sit with her at one meal. And you ever meet people and you meet them and you're like, oh my God this is one of my people. Um, She was one of those people. Um, You'll hear her interview. She is lovely and uh, delightful, um, has remade her life into something that's amazing. Um, We have, um, she has two children, but she has one son who's the same age as my son. And um, we got along like a house on fire. Um, You'll get to listen to her story Um, She's amazing, and I do hope you check out her books, because I can't tell you which ones I read, but I did go last night um, and download um, the one that she mentions here that's her favorite. Um, I haven't started reading it yet, because I've been writing today. But she is amazing. Um, You'll get to hear her dog, Maggie Mae, do a little bark in the background, Um, and there are a little, a few cutouts with audio because the internet is all we have now and it's not perfect. But ready to hear Sophia Henry? I think you're going to love her as much as I do. Ready, set, let's do it. Hi, 
Hi, good afternoon. This is Amy Austin, who also writes as Sylvie Fox. And today I'm talking to author Sophia Henry. Uh, we were just discussing how to pronounce her name after I made the mistake last uh, month with a different author, which I guess you'll hear. So, <laughs> Sophia, how are you? I'm doing well. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. Actually, I will tell you, you know the other author. Um, you know Tadra? Yes. Um, her last name, who I have known her, I don't know, seven, eight years. I've always pronounced it Candel, and it's pronounced Candle. Oh. So, lesson oh, learned. I did, I, yeah. Well, it's hard when you're just looking at it, and you're trying to figure out how to pronounce something. You just pronounce it how you think you would. Yes, and in person, I obviously never used her last name. <laughs> no, yeah, we don't, you know? Um, so, how are you? That's funny. You know, I'm I'm surprisingly doing really well right now. This is a an exciting and very busy time for me, so I'm just rocking. <laughs> okay, so you had I want to be clear because I know I made a mistake. Okay, so you had we know about okay, Sophia. Sorry, I'm thinking about Sophia now. Sophia was um, part of an anthology that hit USA Today last week, the week before, two weeks ago. In October. Um, And it was called Jingle Balls. But you also said when we were emailing that you have had another book come out at the same time, because that seems like a good idea. I did. You know how I like to plan. And um, (laughs) yeah, Jingle Balls came out on Tuesday. And uh, the third book in my Saints and Sinners series, uh, Devil in Disguise, came out on that Thursday. So it was a double release week, which is, you know, again, great planning. (laughs) Wow. So um, I... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> at the best of times. I mean, seriously, like a release, like knocks me for a loop. So um, hats off to you is all I can say for real. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, I have zero, I have zero brain power, but it's okay. We just keep trudging on. That's what we do, right? We just keep going. It's like, okay, yep. Just roll yep. with it. <laughs> okay. So I will say this. So I've only read um, one book of yours um, because Honestly, I, I try to read a lot of people's books, but I just don't have the kind of time um, to read yeah. everything and then write books and then also like read a bunch of other books as well. So how many books have you written? Um, I have written uh, 14. Yeah, 14. Wow. Okay. And um, I feel so <laughs> slow. I feel slow a lot of days. It's just, it is what it is. And what, okay, so what kind of theme do you have in your books? Because the Saints and Sinners I've seen, um, well, when new releases come out, you know, they do cross the radar. So I did see email, post, Amazon, who knows, something about that. Um, And then the first book I read of yours, oh my God, I'm not going to be good. I should have looked this up beforehand because I keep a good reads list of everything I read. Um, Hey, I get it. And I get it. It's hard to remember because we read so much. Like we all read so much because we have to, to keep up with the times and um, also to keep up with our friends. I mean, a lot of authors and you read their stuff. (laughs) But it's in one, like it literally, it's like in and out. Like I just finished a book. um, Oh my God. Kennedy Ryan. Sorry. That's not and and I was like, oh, I enjoyed this. And somebody's like, what'd you read last? And I looked at them and I was like, I can tell you what I'm reading right this moment, um, which is actually uh, The Gift of Fear by Gavin DeBecker. I just finished it this morning. Um, I highly recommend it for everyone. It's the best book about intuition that I think I've ever read. Oh, that's um, awesome. And it's actually not about intuition. It's, talk about, it's a lot about American violence and avoiding violence in your own life. But it also talks a lot about intuition, which has been a thing I've, my friends and I have talked about. And I'll actually ask you this. So we were discussing when people, how can I say this kindly, disappoint you. And we were talking about 
are you ever surprised? I mean, it's not like, you know, are you ever surprised with the disappointment or were all the signs there and you thought, oh, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. Oh, I'll give them a second chance. And when we talked about it, this is all on Zoom these days, nobody could come up with a time when their first impression had been wrong. Yeah, I would, I would absolutely agree with that uh, for myself. Right. Um, I am a good, I consider myself and other people, I think, consider me a good like judge of character or good, like right off the bat. Like, um, and, and I believe like once, yeah, I believe in my intuition. I believe in my gut. I believe in, yeah, I've don't think I've ever been wrong personally. Like, you know, and I'm sure we all know this, like, you know, a person just wasn't the right person for me. You know what I mean? Yes, absolutely. So yeah, and I don't think I've ever been wrong by trusting my gut. I think it's when I didn't trust my gut was like, oh, there you go. Like that's it. exactly. So that's I mean, to me, that's the gist of the book. You know, other yeah. people may get something else out of it, but um, I've <laughs> I woke up. I don't know. Let's say a month ago, and decided from here on in, I'm trusting my gut because it has not served me to second guess ever. Um, I love that. I love that. And I love that you couldn't like just stop and say that because I think personally, it's really important to trust yourself um, because we're, I mean, honestly, we're all we have, like my opinion of someone and my, you know, how, how my head feels about them or my gut or my stomach or whatever's swirling around. Um, mm-hmm. that, that's what we have, you know, because you can't know somebody else's opinion of someone because they have totally different, I guess, expectations or communication or whatever relationships with them. How many times have we like said like, oh, that, per- I don't like that person. Well, why? Oh, because so-and-so doesn't like them. <laughs> it's like, what does that make, you know? Like, right. just sometimes I have to check myself, you know, like, no, what did you feel about that person? Oh, okay. Like, oh, you're so good. See, I love wise women. Oh, I got to learn. Um, <laughs> it took me a long time to get here. I mean, I wouldn't call myself wise <laughs> 10 years ago. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I've made so many mistakes. It's just one of those things. I made a mistake and I thought, and I knew, like, I knew I was making the mistake, but I was like, Oh, benefit of the doubt. And then you know, I woke up and I thought, this didn't work out. What was I thinking? Like, what was I thinking? Um, so from now on, I... Do you have an innate... I mean, I do. I have an innate belief that people are good. Like, that, not, not that it was a bad person or whatever, but right. I, have an, I just have this belief that... So you give people the benefit of the doubt. Or I do because I'm like, I, I think that this is going to turn out well, you know? Even if I have that gut feeling like, hmm. <laughs> because I want to believe the good in... in Yeah. So I think somebody said to me recently, and this is not tooting my own horn, but she was, I was talking about like lying and cheating and just generally not being honest. And she was, I was like, but I wouldn't lie about whatever. And she was like, so you, she said, what you're doing is you're coming to it from your perspective because you're thinking to yourself, I wouldn't lie about my education or I wouldn't lie about whatever it was. And I would, I was like, but why would I lie? Like, there's no, I don't understand what gain there would be, you know, yeah. <laughs> in, in anything. And she was like, but that's not the way everybody else operates. And I was like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> because, I, well, no, he, like, it just never, like somebody lied about a degree they had. And I the thought. And I looked, when they said it, I looked at them and I thought, no, I don't think they have that degree. So of course later, and this is the problem, I went and checked on LinkedIn and indeed it, they did not list it because that would be like a huge public lie. Oh, and yeah. I was like, oh, that's interesting. Like what it is is interesting because I, it's just, it was so bizarre. And I thought, but I don't think I would ever lie. Like I went to college and I mean, I would tell people I wouldn't, I mean, what am I going to say? I don't even know how I would 
conduct that lie. So, I mean, I'd have to explain like where I was for four years if I wasn't, you know, I was just like, that's a lot to like have to wrap your head around. If I just tell you I graduated from this school in a thousand years ago. And so that's just the way it is. Then I don't ever have to like lie or manufacture where I was or explain anything. And and then have to remember all of that. I mean, I don't understand that. Like the whole cover your your butt. I'm like, I don't know what I can say on here, but the whole like cover yourself situation. Like, oh, what did I tell that person? What did I tell that person? No, it seems like a full-time job. And I thought, oh my God, like between like trying to remember day to day, like what is happening in the book I'm writing right now and managing like a 10-year-old, like that's all I can do. Like literally I'm like, that's all the brain power I've got. And I don't really have time for like, I don't know, making up like a past. Like that's just a, that's, that seems to me like way more time than I have. It makes me, it makes me tired just thinking about it. So how we get our characters though, right? Because mm-hmm. like not everyone's the same. Not everyone thinks like us. So it's like, oh, character inspiration. No, trust me. I have, <laughs> you have no idea. Like I have, I have been inspired and actually I'm actually, well, right now in the middle of a scene, I just left my characters. Um, they're in a restaurant where where it's about to go down. Oh. <laughs> I just realized I don't think they're going to have time to eat dinner because I think somebody's going to have to get up and walk out. Yeah. So, because, you know, you did, people don't drop bombshells and go, hi, so how's your steak? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, actually, I'll really say this. putting your characters to the ringer because you drop a bomb and then you leave them hungry. <laughs> yeah, I know. No, I once... Um, so the first book I wrote um, was published by a publisher. And so at some point, one of my characters says, he says, the hero in the, it's a romance. He said, oh, my father died. And at some point, my heroine's like, okay, can you pull over to the right? I don't even know what they were doing. And my editor's like, so usually when people talk about death, <laughs> there's a reaction. Just a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> so... Um, I have, I've evolved a lot since then. I'll just say that. That was, it was like one of those edits and I thought, oh, I must seem so cold and callous because all she thought was, oh, let's pull over and I don't know if this jacket fits or whatever she was thinking. It's one of those moments. We have them. We're trying to get the story out. (laughs) No, because she was going to his mom's house for the first time. And that's sort of where my focus was. Like, is she going to wear this jacket? And what is is his mom going to think? And the dead father just, woo! (laughs) Fortunately, it was not published that way. Um, Oh, good. Yeah. Gotta love our editors. (laughs) Please, so much, so much. They point out so many things that if I let go, I'd just be mortified about. So I have to ask you, um, so what is the gist? Do you only write romance? Um, I do. Right now, I only write romance. Yes. Okay. And so- or happily ever after for now. <laughs> yes, I know. Happy for now. That's where I am in life. Yeah. What? Um, so I have this theory. Well, no, somebody asked me this recently and then it came to my attention. And she didn't mean this in the negative way, but she was like, what is the story you're trying to tell? Because she's like, I feel like you're trying to tell the same story. Not, not this way. Over and over again. She's like, what is it that you're trying to say with your books? And nobody ever asked me that, like 20 something books in. And I thought, oh, <laughs> there's something I should pay attention to but I've been thinking about it a lot and I could see what the core themes are in my books what do you think the core themes like what are you trying to say other than 
finding love or whatever that may be. Yeah, no, I don't even think that is like, I mean, it is the theme because it's romance, but that's right, not but that's what not I'm trying to write. It's just, I, I try to write, uh, my my novels are very character driven. So mm-hmm. I ask myself why all the time, why would this person do that? Why, 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 you know, because people right. always have a reason for what they do. Maybe it was their background. Maybe it was their, where they went to college, what happened to them in college, you know, things like that. So my, what I want people to get out of my novels like honestly if I'm sitting here honestly trying to you know say I want people to see um, redemption right Um, I want people to see that there's not always that there's a gray area not everybody is good or bad or um you know I think that's why my series is called saints and sinners because you know you you don't even know what side you're on sometimes um and it's not a bad thing it's just who we are at certain points of our life um and there's a lot of social uh social awareness of like issues in mm-hmm. my books, I don't try to hit people over the head with them. Like, I'm definitely not preaching. Um, but, I mean, one of my heroes was a dreamer, you know? And I, I wanted to uh, tell that story in a way that maybe people, <laughs> where's my dog? Um, maybe people would say, like, oh, wow, maybe I can look at dreamers a different way, you know, okay. rather than, you know, and I'm not trying to change anyone's mind, but I'm just trying to maybe maybe tweak how you look at the world, you know, because we, we all have our, our views of the world and, and – different issues and I'm not trying to change anyone's mind or preach, but I'm just trying to say like, Hey, look at it this way, you know? No, it sort of reminds me of the, not, this is so not a parallel, but like John McCain and sort of how, um, when his daughter came out, you know, he became, he, he changed how he was. And I think that, well, at least in my experience, people, when they get to know people, it lessens whatever they're scared of. I don't know if it's fear or whatever it is or the otherness or whatever, but yeah. what, um, so I'll ask you this cause this, um, there's an author I know. I don't, I think, I don't know if you met her. So her name is Theodora Taylor and she writes romance. Um, but three, 10, I don't know, books ago, she had a trans character and the readers, um, she got a lot of response from readers. It was not all positive. Um, and she was surprised. And to be honest, I was surprised. I was like, I don't know. I, I it didn't make any sort of impact in my mind, to be honest. And then, then I was like looking on Amazon because she was talking about the reviews. But yeah. what um, have you gotten any reader um, response to the Dreamer character? No, no, okay. I haven't. Um, but I think because I made it a character that people could, that people who are reading my book could. Um, put themselves in that place. If that makes sense. I didn't make it such a, I made it someone who's the same as them. Does that make sense? I made it someone who's so similar to them that you would be like, Oh, I never realized that. that." So it's not just, you know, I, and if I'm saying, I might be saying this wrong. I don't want to come across, but it's not just those kind of people who are dreaming. You know what I mean? It could be anybody. It could be your best friend. It could be your next door neighbor that you have grown up 20 years with. You have no clue, you know, how they came here or what their background is. So it's kind of like, a person who's so in your, in your world, he's so like wrapped up in your world. And then you're like, wait, what? You have to leave the country because, you know, like, so I kind of wanted it to, I wanted someone to see themselves in this character, honestly, is what, that, that's how I wrote it. I wanted to see myself in the character so that I could sympathize or empathize, empathize with that character. Well, no, and I, I yeah. made it a little bit, I mean, that, again, I, I didn't take it a route where it could have been, it wasn't the focus of the story, I guess. Stereotypes in there because I don't, you know, I didn't. Right. I knew. 
No, it's actually interesting because that, well, I live in Los Angeles. So that yeah. issue yeah. comes up often where people don't realize what somebody's status is or whatever. Yeah. Um, and, and it comes, them, you know, like, instead of thinking of people as humans, you know, we're right. just, we're all humans. Like, I know trying to get through the day and like, <laughs> and that's already hard enough, like without working anything hard. else. Working hard, trying to stay alive, trying to not get sick, trying to not get our kids and parents and whoever's sick, you know, we're just trying to live. Like, no, yeah. So, so much. Are, I guess mine is more, more things like that. Like I'm trying to make the reader or my readers, cause you know, we, I think we all know our demographic of readers. I'm trying to make right. my readers see themselves in my characters. And if they don't, they don't. And I, you know, like I said, I'm not trying to change it in mind. I just want to, if I can put it out there and I can make some kind of social commentary in my books, I, that's, that's what I want to do. Like, that's what I'm trying to do with my books, you know, even, yeah. Even if somebody doesn't get it, even if they don't understand it, <laughs> I know what I'm doing. <laughs> no, fair enough. And this is so interesting because this is not at all what I know. That's not true. In some books, I do do that because I have a lot of thoughts about bizarrely weird things like sex trafficking and foster care. Um, yeah. And 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 I have no idea. Like I have like four things that I that for some reason constantly are in my mind, and I'm constantly thinking about them. I mean, in terms of writing. Yeah. Um, and the and the other one is um, redemption for women who have difficult backgrounds. But that's who knows. It's just the thing um, that is filtered through all that has lived all these years um okay so so i have another question and i did ask you about this Uh, this is the weirdest i think dm i ever sent so (laughs) i don't even know what you said what you had posted or something but in the picture that i will include um when i send out like a newsletter about the podcast um you have a lot of tattoos because they're you they're not covered up in the picture your author picture yeah no i do Uh, a lot i love them yeah um so how can I say this? Most people in our age bracket that I know don't have a lot of tattoos. The first time I ever encountered people um, who had a lot were when I took yoga teacher training and I was 20 years older than most of the people there. And they all like spent, I don't know, half a day comparing tattoos. And I thought, wow, I live in a different world. Because um, <laughs> I, you know, I mean, most people I know who are my age have like one and it's yeah. some, something on their wrist and who knows what it is. Um so you have more than one. Um, so what started it? Like what, what was the catalyst, I guess, for that? Um, honestly, the catalyst was when I was younger. My first, I got my first tattoo when I was 18 years old. And then I didn't get another one for like 20 years later or almost 20 years, maybe 15. Okay. Um, and so at 18 years old, I wanted my favorite hockey team. I wanted the <laughs> logo tattooed on me. And so I got it tattooed on my ankle. Wait, um, is it the Red Wings or it is something else? Yeah, no, it's the Red Wings. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I was like, I don't know. Um, no, I have the, I have the, uh, yeah, the winged wheel tattooed on my ankle. So that was my very first tattoo. And then it was like years and years before I got another one. Um, and then the reason I got the, this, uh, I would say the second one, but there's two, um, is the catalyst was my writing career. And I said that when I got asked, when I pitched, my novel, my, the first novel I ever wrote when I pitched it and someone asked for a full manuscript, mm-hmm. I was going to celebrate. It just happened to be that I was in uh, New Orleans at the uh, Romantic Times convention. If anybody oh, you were RT that year? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And so I got the very first time I pitched, uh, the, the uh, editor asked me for a full manuscript and I pretty much walked out and 
walked, I looked up on my phone, what's the nearest tattoo, like reputable tattoo shop. And I walked in and uh, set an appointment and I walked back later that day and got two tattoos. And it's my, my kid's initials on my wrist with a moon and a star. Oh, wow. Because, you know, everything I do really is for my kids. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, every, you know, it's for me, but I mean, as a mom and as a provider and that, you know, they're who I'm thinking of, you know, this career doesn't just benefit me and, you know, it's my, my passion and what I've always wanted to do, but it's also like, I want them to be proud of me and, you know, show them that you can have a, I don't, I guess I call ours an alternative career. You know, you don't have to have that nine to five, you know, you can go for your dreams, go for your goals, even though I didn't do that at the beginning, you know, I, right. (laughs) But I mean, I want them to know that, you know, be proud of me and, and, and kind of say like, hey, you don't have to follow this pattern of, I did these things, so I'm not knocking it, but like, you know, college and get a job and pay off student loans. It's like, no, whatever you want to do, just, just do it. Just do it. You only have one life, man. So I kind of want my kids to know. And that's what the tattoo is about too. It's like, it's permanent. You just, I just walked out and did it. It's like, let's celebrate. That's life. That's just yeah, that's so amazing because um, so this is actually very important to me. And obvi- well, not obviously. So um, I think I published my first book. How old was he? Two? I don't know. Something like that. And um, so one day we're sitting around or driving, who knows? And my son says to me, do artists make any money? And I was like, what just happened? <laughs> so like, I don't. And. And I, I I, was like, what do you mean? He was like, I don't even know where he had heard it because, well, I'll tell you in a second why. And he was like, well, I don't think artists can support themselves. And so my son, um, so I live in Los Angeles and um, my son is at a private school where I would say 95% of the parents are artists. Um, oh, wow. Mostly, yeah, mostly TV, uh, movies. Uh, I don't know, there's a singer. I mean, you know, actor. Yeah. Some of them are famous because it's LA. So... We're, and I look at him and I was like, but you know, she works on that TV show. Remember when it came up and like so-and-so's mom's name was on the TV show and so-and-so's mom's dad's name was on this. And remember the billboard with so-and-so's dad's movie outside? I was like, these are all artists. I don't know if he saw it that way because they're just a movie director or whatever. I was like, these are all artists. They support themselves. They support themselves fairly well. And all of them are paying to send you all to school here. Yeah. And I was like, so I'm not the only one. Like, I'm not, I mean, there's a couple, there's like three or four authors, um, but I'm not the only one, you know? Yeah. And I don't know, I don't, we actually haven't talked about it since, but I was so surprised to hear them, hear him say that because I thought we lived in a place where that was not going to come up. Right. Um, you know, it wasn't like I was living, I don't know, in the middle of a place where there was not a big artistic community. And it was yeah. so surprising, but it's a, it's, it still carries on like that sort of thing. And I, I, it was, it's so important for me, for him, for me, that he know that people can support themselves doing the thing that they love. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, I'm not going to get into it. I mean, there's, there's a couple of like movie directors at the school who are like, you know, they do the one for the studio and then they do one for themselves. And we can, you know, there's all those sort of ways that people jerry rig that system yeah. so that they can, you know, eat and then also <laughs> pursue their passion. Exactly. But at the <laughs> But at the end of the day, like movie directing is not digging a ditch. So, you know, even if you hate the project that you're working on, it is not, you know, it is not backbreaking work. And um, but it was re- it's really important for him to do that. But I do love the idea because 
to, to him, it's sort of second nature. So when people ask what I do, he's like, oh, my mom writes books. And I look at him, I'm like, I'm impressed. <laughs> like, I'm impressed yeah. with the whole the way the whole thing goes. Yeah. Um, but it is important. So I love that tattoo. So what about the other one? Because there's one, when I, I saw your picture when you just sent it to me, um, I've seen it before, but it's on my computer now, um, where there's writing, I want to say, across your chest. Let's just say that. Yeah, well, there's there's writing across my chest. There's music notes and um, an asterisk. Um, inside the music, like inside the sheet, I guess, music lines. And uh, and then there's a quote that says, these songs keep me living, these songs keep me sane, mm-hmm. um, which is a quote from one of my favorite artists or bands um, um, from one of their songs. The artist is Missio. Um, and they, it just really hit me because that's what music is for me. It's kind of like a, a lifeline for me. It always has been ever since I was a little kid. It's like, I listened to music when I was in, I mean, it's a teenager thing or, or anyone, thing, but like, honestly, there were times where I would hear a song and it would pull me out of say like a really rough, maybe depressed moment. Um, you know, I can pinpoint it. That's why I got the asterisk. Ugh. That's from, uh, Jack's mannequin, um, who's Andrew McMahon's, um, his song swim. And, uh, it's, it's saying, you know, swim for your life. Like, you know, the music will let you will lead you out of that you know what I mean okay, right. even though I'm not artistic like I can't play a note in that sense I can't sing well I mean I can but nobody wants to hear it um, <laughs> and I can't you know I don't play instruments so like for me like being a music lover and appreciator is and how much it affects me without even having that musical background um mm-hmm. that was very important for me so that's what those are across my chest and um it was important for that to be like kind of front and center for me Right. And so obviously, I assume because in LA, you can't get anything done right now unless they do it outside and none of this is going to be done outside. Presumably, tattoo parlors are closed where you are as well. well they're actually not. They're no, not? Open. We've done a, we've done like phases of openings here in uh, North Carolina. I'm in Charlotte, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Um, and my tattoo parlor is actually open. I, I have not set an appointment yet because I just don't feel comfortable um, right. yet going in um, and sitting there because like my neck. Uh, I'm getting the same thing on on the other arm that I have on one arm, and it took like six to eight hours. So I uh, like, oh, yeah, that's <laughs> eight hours with a mask on, and you know, yeah, for me, <laughs> but yeah. So okay. I'm just waiting until things are cool. <laughs> yeah, no, here you can. I don't think about tattoos. I don't know, but you can have like haircuts or something as long as it's outside and I drove by I was on Melrose and I drove by and I saw somebody I was like why is she getting a haircut I was like oh right there's a salon there but you know it's not not something too normal because I was like why is she sitting outside getting a haircut like it was bizarre like it didn't register and then I was like world we live in a bizarre world now it's like what (laughs) and then I was like oh right I get it but um obviously there's other things like I would like get a lot of services done that I'm not going to do outside so (laughs) that um so i have this question so the band that you mentioned um in the tattoo is this the your i i feel like i call it your band in my head (laughs) but (laughs) is this your band as it is as it were um it was my i mean okay i I still love them but it was my band for a certain moment in my life if that okay yes Um, of course i followed them around all across the country um, and it was about, it was about their music, um, but it was also about meeting the people. I was really big on Twitter and talking mm-hmm. to the, fan, the other fans of the band and just like getting really into it and really excited and just, and they were my lifeline, um, not lifeline, but they were just like really supportive and it was great to have that community 
um, when <laughs> revolving around music, of course, right. for me, um, when uh, it was actually right after I, uh, right after my divorce. And mm-hmm. so for me, I think I was searching for a new set, not a new set of friends. I don't mean, but I, I was searching for something. I was searching for myself. Definitely. Right. But I was just searching for something different and it filled a huge void in my life. And, um, how it is right now is we, um, my ex-husband and I do a, a one week on one week off. Like we have our kids for a week at a time and then we switch. Right. So during those weeks, I didn't have my kids. I was really, really, um, upset, depressed. I was, I, I didn't know what to do with myself. Like, honestly, I was probably going to start drinking a bottle of wine a night if, um, or maybe two, you know, if it would have, because I was just so like, I, I didn't like being without them and it was fresh and new. And I just, I hated that feeling. And so I think that's really what like the travel got me out of the house while they weren't here, you know, and it, I can bring my, you know, like, you know, you can bring your laptop and I wrote everywhere. I wrote, I actually am writing like a story about a rap, but it's not going to be romance. And it's for the well, way off in the future, not based on anyone, just from just the travels and like kind of cool things about seeing behind the scenes stuff. And mm-hmm. that I've never seen before, you know, I was never involved in that. So yeah, so I will say that that band and their music and the people, the wonderful, wonderful people I met um, really got me through about like a year and a half time in my life where it was it was really rough, you know. So I can say, so uh, I've been separated. I'm, I'll never be divorced, but that's a different conversation. So I've been separated um, two years. Yeah, it's two years. And um, I didn't realize, like the first night I slept alone, um, I didn't, so the thing about having a child is that, well, he went with me. So I travel a lot, but he just went with me. Yeah, yeah. And I think I realized I hadn't slept by myself, like in a, you know, in a space by myself yeah. in a long time. And it was quiet. It was so weird. And I was like, okay. I mean, I've done it in hotels maybe, but you know, that, not that often. Yeah. And um, like for writing stuff, he would not come with me, but for travel, he always came with me. And it happened too. So um, I spent the summer in Budapest and the first night he was, I think I went March or something to a writing thing. And I was like, well, I'll just hang out here, you know, like I normally would, but he was not with me. And the first night I was in that apartment, I realized I'd not been in that apartment eight years without him being there. And I was like, oh my God. Like it was the I don't know if I guess I hadn't thought about it. Like, you know, I have a whole life before children. I had a child very late. So I didn't, I don't know what I thought. I guess I got used to, I don't know. I got, I don't know. It was just, it was so surprising the void that was there. And fortunately I have delightful friends. So they sort of like rallied around me and each one of them like took me out to dinner for like the two weeks I was there for spring break. And um, so that I just wasn't like in the apartment because I could be, you know, I'm a writer. So I'm often there by myself. And I mean, during the day when he was at camp or whatever. So I just wasn't sitting there, you know, by myself for like two, two and a half weeks. Um, And that was delightful. But I didn't. um, Yeah, it's a it's weird. It's it's weirdly quiet. I guess like the noise of children like ramps up and you don't notice it (laughs) until it's gone. And then you're like, oh, my God, it's there's there's nobody's asking for food. Nobody's like asking to watch YouTube. Like nobody's like kicking something over. (laughs) Like nothing is, you know, literally like yeah. nothing is happening. And that was, um, it was one of the hardest things to get used to. It was, um, and, and I only have, I don't have my son on the weekends, so it's, it's noisy during the week, but on the weekends it's quiet. So 
before COVID, I did have a lot of things. So I, I started doing all the things I had sort of stopped doing, um, going to plays, going out, seeing my friends, doing all of that. But, um, and so to be honest, I kicked that can down the road until a few months ago. And now I was like, I realized this is the first time I think I've been alone um, on the weekends. And it's um, it's an adjustment. I'll just say that. Um, it's a bigger it adjustment I than I thought. Um, and, just, and, and if you think about it, it's like um, you you keep going through it. It's like every weekend. You know what I mean? Or every right. weekend. It's, it's almost like, you know, okay, once. Cool. I got it. I'm done. You know? But then it's like, oh, the next weekend. It's, a, it's almost like this little thing that keeps kicking you. <laughs> no, and I think I said to a friend like a few probably months ago, I don't know, I lose track of time right now, where I said I, I, I was sitting in my bed probably watching something on Netflix, and all I could think of is I feel like I don't have a child. Like this is the weirdest feeling to sit here. I'm like, well, because he's not here. And yeah. I was like, am I making him up? Like, I'm like, this is, I'm like, but he's here. Like, it's, it's very weird. I mean, he has a room and clothes and all this stuff and, you know, but it's, it's a, an odd void. So how did you, Yeah. okay. The only people I know who've traveled um, are people who followed the Grateful Dead, which showed you so much my age and, <laughs> or what was it? Fish. It was fish. Oh yeah. Oh, all those jam fun. bands. Yeah, they have great yeah. like, followings with people that travel and like take like months off and <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Fish, but I feel like fish. I was maybe in my twenties. I don't know. Maybe in my teens. I'd have to think about that a little. I haven't thought about it in a long time. So, how did you? What made you decide that? I don't want to say this is what you're going to do, but what made you decide this is what you're going to do? Um, I don't know that it was an active decision. That it was an active decision. It was just. Um, at first I just picked places that were drivable or just, I could take like a, they have this awesome thing called the mega bus. Mm-hmm. Um, the mega bus will take you from like New York city to Philly for like $5, you know? So like, yes, I've drive. heard about it in New York only. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I could drive to DC, which is only like a six hour drive for me. Um, and then I could take the mega bus from DC to New York to Philly, you know, and back to get to my car. And I mean, it would cost me like, 20 bucks for the travel. So I was like, yeah. So I would go to DC and I would see the band, you know, I would see the band in, you know, DC on Thursday and then, you know, New York, you know, however it worked out, but it was like, it was kind of like a weekend or like a three day trip or a four day trip. So it started out like that. And it was just like, oh, cool. And and I got to see, like, I love New York city. I don't get to get there a lot, but mm-hmm. I was able to go there a bunch of times and to, you know, to see bands and I would go there and thinking I was going to see one band, I'd be like, oh, so-and-so is in town. I would go to see. So it was, you know, just that kind of stuff. And I would meet up with people there who I had either known before or met through through the new community. Um, right. It was really cool. So it started like that or like going or staying with someone because they're like, hey, well, if you're going to be in Nashville, you know, or if you're going to go come see them in Nashville, stay with me. And so, right. yeah, so it was that kind of, it was really that kind of thing where I was like, I started with things that were really close to me. Um, I think the furthest I went was California <laughs> for the okay. first time in my life. And the only reason I did it was because um, it was my 40th birthday present to myself. Um, it was a couple months before I turned the, it was a music festival. So that was the other thing. I got to see a ton of bands and, right. um, and a friend from Chicago was going to meet me out there and we went together and I, you know, and I was like, you know what? Yeah. I don't, I mean, I don't really celebrate birthdays big. It's kind of like going out to dinner or whatever. And I was like, no, I'm turning 40, dude. This is awesome. Um, so yeah, I went to California for the first time in my life and hit a music festival that was like the best festival I've ever been to. And I was there with a good friend and 
yeah. So, I mean, just kind of started like that. It was just like these little, these, you know, little trips around me. And then I, I went a little bit further. Um, but this band was not the first band I ever traveled for. I, I traveled to see the 1975, like 10 years ago. And I went, oh, went to wow. Milwaukee. And I mean, so it's like, you know, this one just happened to be, I followed them to like, not followed, but I went to like 30 of their concerts, you wow. know, okay. traveling. Whereas oh. I I've traveled to see bands before, like 1975, Frightened Rabbit. Those were a couple that, that come out. Those were like 10, 10 to seven, seven, 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. I just didn't travel as much. Let's put it that way. <laughs> right. Because oh. back then I was, you know, a mom with two kids and like, I, I, <laughs> I couldn't travel. You know what I mean? I think the opportunity came up because I was trying to fill that void of, the emptiness without my kids, you know, and I was trying to fill it in a positive, healthy way. Trust me. I know. I look at, yeah. I said to somebody recently, I was like, this would be much easier if I just had an addiction. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, cause an addiction is like a full-time job. <laughs> like I, manage- yes. <laughs> well, I wanted to be addicted to, I wanted to be addicted to the adrenaline of something cool rather than, you know, I don't like for me. Yeah. I, yeah, me too. I totally could have went down the route, the road of like, uh, seriously drinking a bottle of wine a night or two you right. know like I could have just and not talking to my friends and not doing anything you know that that could have been my route but like I didn't want it to be it's not how I wanted to because you you know like going through a separation divorce you know whatever mm-hmm. it's it's heavy it's heavy even if you're the one who wanted it to happen or you know even mm-hmm. if you were the, you know the catalyst for it it's still heavy that is a life with a person that is now and like what do you do? What do you do with yourself? You kind of know who you are, but you're also reinventing or re yeah. messed up. I mean, I don't know you, I'm, I'm saying you, but it's me yeah. I'm talking about, you know, I'm projecting. Yeah. Um, like my head was messed up and like, I thought I was good, but I wasn't good. So I was like, how do I turn this into something positive? I want the positivity, baby. I don't want the, I don't want this. Like I, when I was depressed and I was there, I did go through that time, but right. that's how I got myself out of it. I was like, how do I turn this around? Because this is not me and this isn't who I want to be. So right. how do I do that? <laughs> and it was meditation and traveling. <laughs> yeah. I, I thought about that. I did meditate this morning. And then for me, it just ends up being excessive exercise. I may have biked a lot of miles this morning. And then I may have walked a number of other miles today. Um, I get that as my <laughs> That'd be awesome. <laughs> well, I used to do it. So when, um, when marriage was not going well, that's what I would do. I would exercise. Like it was crazy. Like I'd run five days a week and then I'd go to Pilates and then I'd go to yoga. I mean, and then I'd write in the afternoons to be frank, but, um, yeah. that's how I sort of managed it. And it's back. Well, that is how I was managing it. I also did exercise a whole lot, but that I can't do anymore. And the yoga studio I actually just used to go to just declare bankruptcy. So that's yeah. done. Yeah. I know. So, and I can't go to Soul Cycle because I'm not going to be inside with 50 bikes in a two by two room. No, um, I hear you. <laughs> so I'm back to biking outside, which I haven't done in years a lot, um, but it's fine. So I'm back to biking and I do yoga in my house, but it, it is a lot. It is heavy because I, I left. I it was my choice. I I own that a hundred percent, and and I knew there would be better things. What I didn't, I don't know. Maybe I should have figured this out, or maybe I should have read more about it. I didn't expect the in between time. You know what I mean? So in between, it was 
there were many things that were delightful. I'm like, I haven't lived by myself since, oh God, who knows the nineties. And, um, so all of that, I greatly enjoy, like I put something down and it's still there when I come back. Um, so I enjoy like all of that. And I actually don't mind solitude. I'm an introvert. I, you know, so I can, and I can entertain myself with writing or whatever, but what I didn't anticipate was it's a loss. It's a loss. It's a loss I initiated, but it's still a loss nonetheless. Yeah. And and that's a lot to contend with. Um, and ugh, I'm an adult now and I realize you have to feel your feelings and you can't stuff them down, which I guess is what an addiction would do. Yep. So <laughs> Same. I understand. Yeah. It's like, well, if I'm not going to stuff them down, then what? <laughs> you know? Okay. So if I'm not going to eat my feelings or drink my feelings or smoke my feelings, then what? You know, and that's the conversation I had to have with myself. But I, but in, on the other end, it did open up lots of things that I just hadn't done in a long time because my ex hated to go to live theater, but I was born and raised in New York city. And mm-hmm. that's what the thing that my sort of grandparents did with me is they yeah. both of them took me to live theater and I loved it. And I did it up until probably college and then less, um, cause I was in college and, um, but I, I went back to that. I'm like volunteering at like a theater, you know, things like that where it was just, I was like, oh, I can do all these things and I don't have to hear anything about it. I don't have to bring anybody. I don't have to explain why I love live theater. And so those kinds of things, I really, um, sort of, you know, took solace in or enjoyed. Oh, yeah. And it was like Maybe all the you're awakening of yourself, things you, things we put aside because we're, when you're trying to, you know, make a life with somebody, right. you, you know, I, you do things that, or you stop doing things that you didn't think you ever would. And you start doing things you didn't think you ever would. And it's, it's nice so, to have that time to go back to, this is who I am. This is what no, I love. And it's, it's so shocking. That, and I was like, how did I, did I take years off of, wait, what did, you know, so that, I enjoy. I can also read without anybody saying anything. So I, you know, I'm reading more because I've taken off reading. Um, not a lot, but I did less um, because I, I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do if any, in any future relationship, but my ex did not like me reading because he felt like it was excluding him. Um, yeah. Yep. So, and so now I'm like, oh, like I got up this morning and I was like, I'm going to finish this book. And it'll be fine. And then I'm going to go bike ride. But it, like, there's, I don't have to explain to anybody that I'm going to finish the book, you know? Yeah. And so there's and in, a lot of. In a good future relationship, you won't have to either. They'll, I, your person will be like, well, of course you're going to finish the book. <laughs> like, you know? I know. So I keep hearing about this future and I'm looking forward to it. We'll see how that comes. Um, because I, I believe. Like, a, like a friend said to me today, she was like, but you know, if you find your person, they're going to be like, go bike have some knitting, you know, read your book and yeah. then eat, eat your spicy chicken and it's all delightful. And I was like, oh, okay. Like yeah. it, to me, um, it seems, not, not it seems, it's just, it's exciting to, to the idea of that. It's, it's very exciting, but um, not dating during COVID right now. Yeah. Um, and then, so I do have a lot of time on my hands. So what, um, what was it like? What are the people like? Like, I have no idea. Like, what the community would be like around that um it, <laughs> it was the only communities i know are mothers and writers i mean there's others and that, you know I mean. it was mother it was mothers it was <laughs> I, it's so funny because we we actually used to tease the guys in the band too we're like 
you know, like your fan base is like middle-aged moms, right? Like, and I say that with love. I don't say it with like, you know, being mean. Like we said it with love, like their fan base was middle-aged moms. And then the kids of those moms, like, because right. the moms were so excited or then the kids thought it was cool. I don't, I don't know how that works. Kids thought, but <laughs> I mean, it was because it was good music too. You know, it was right. like, like, Oh yeah. Um, so I'm not kidding. They were, they were, and I say middle age, I love you all ladies. Um, (laughs) it was, it was people just like me. And Mm -hmm. I think that's what, you know, and that, you know, and there were others mixed in, you know, there were younger kids and they were younger. And I think that's also what was really cool about it because you kind of got to be a, it was a very supportive network of people and community. So, and a lot of people were going through things like addictions and like, you know, when we all came together through this music uh, depression and you know mental health you know mental illness and things like mm-hmm. that and so it was a really supportive place where it's kind of like you had somebody on your side that maybe you didn't you didn't even know you know but you just knew somebody in I don't know Idaho is you know going through the same thing or something similar and right. understand what I'm feeling I can reach out through DM or just whatever or we can share a laugh just by tweeting something or posting something and it was it really felt good you know and maybe we can be a a good influence on maybe some of the kids who are feeling these way this way that maybe we felt growing up like world's against us and everything's horrible and I hate myself and you know any of those kind of thoughts it's like you know without being preachy it's like you know what it get, it gets better and you just take solace in whatever it is that you love, like the music and Hey, let's meet up at this concert. I'd love to meet you. It'd be awesome. You know? So I think things like that, just giving people a, giving people community and giving people a, you know, like a hope, you know, like something to look forward to. I remember one guy, he was the sweetest guy. I don't know. He was in his early twenties, you know, and just this, just guy working hard. He was always at work, you know, when he was like tweeting and stuff mm-hmm. and, and, and it was just like, he was going through a really rough time. His friends were all in a different state. I just, and every time he came to a concert that like there was a group of us at, he was so happy and just so it made, you know, and you could just see it on his face and in his whole body and reaction. And just to be able to like be a part of that, I think is just something wonderful. Cause it's that I don't, I, I love, yeah, no, it, you know, yeah. I, I think it's community. So yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, and whether whatever the thing is, and I mean, it, well, I would say yeah. it doesn't matter, but oh, it's a sense of community because humans need each other, which I'm learning so much right now. Yeah. Um, they I mean, really they really do. Introvert, even introverts like like us, you know, <laughs> we still need we need our tribe, we need our people, we need, um, yeah, we do absolutely need. No, it's why I spent two hours walking with a friend this morning because I was like, <laughs> I was like, I need to have a conversation with her that's not through text, that's not set short while we're like dropping stuff off or doing stuff. Yeah. And I was like, we finally because we used to eat out, but obviously we're not doing that. And we yeah. like, I was like, it's so good to have like a fully formed conversation and just like catch up and have all of the stuff that I need, you know, that I need when connecting with other people. Yeah. So yeah. I have to ask you, what? Okay, what did you do before writing? Uh, I was in human resources. Um, I was a human resources manager for um, a couple of small, like, I like small companies, like mm-hmm. kind of little mom and pop shops that didn't have a whole HR department. I was like right. the go-to person. Oh, wow. Okay. That's yeah. unexpected. I didn't know that. Um, I'm always interested <laughs> when people did beforehand. And I'm always, it's actually shocking. Like, I think I sat at one dinner, maybe in Texas, maybe not this year, but maybe the year before. And um, the people were describing what they did. And I was like, really? You were a psychologist? Like, it was just like, 
And like a friend who's an epidemiologist, I don't actually talk to her right now that much because I don't want to hear the bad news. But um, <laughs> but it's just like you you worked for the CDC or you know, okay, like it was just people have it's such interesting backgrounds that I never I guess I never would guess. Um, yeah, it's just it's always like oh that's so fascinating. So what was the catalyst for writing? Like what because it's a leap. Like I it well. I, I've told this on the podcast before, but I, it took me a long time to write that first book. Maybe like, I don't know, I started in the 90s, uh, maybe four or five years. And the book's only 80,000 words. I mean, it's not, you know, a tome. And it took me a long time to just write that book. But once I finished the first book, I was like, I think I can do this, you know? Yeah. Um, but what, how can I say this? I feel like for writers who write for a living, it is such a leap of faith to say, yeah. I can do this. Like, I, you know, like I can I tell you, like I read books and I know people who write them and I'm like still like, oh, my God, they make the magic. Like, I'm so impressed with it. Um, so what possessed you to go to to leave that and like try to make the magic? Um, well, two there were there. Well, a little tiny bit of background. My even though I was an HR manager, um, that is something I just fell into because I'm a really great recruiter. Um, talk about, uh, you know, going with your gut and knowing, you know, people and getting that feeling. Um, I'm really great at recruiting. I mean, yeah, I'll pat my own back. I'm a good recruiter. So I found so, oh my gosh, I realized how like, how horrible that sounded like. No, it's fine. Um, but like, I'm a good recruiter. So that's how I got into HR. But before that, I went to college for creative writing. I majored in crea- English, creative writing, poetry. Um, oh my gosh. Wow. Okay. Yeah, so that was my background. That's what I wanted to do. And then, you know, you get out of college. I'm like, and this was in, I mean, I graduated college in 2000. So it's like, can I really be a poet? <laughs> and make <laughs> you know, pay my bills. <laughs> the answer for me at that time, because I didn't take the leap of faith was no, maybe I could have, who knows, but so, um, but the catalyst for my writing career as it is now was, um, when my first son was born, um, he's 10 now our kids are the same age, so right, yeah. he's 10. And so when I was, um, right after I had him, I had actually right before I had him, I had started my own company. Um, and I was doing like, uh, for small companies, it was like, Hey, you don't have an HR department. I'll do whatever you need for you. Oh, wow. Okay. And so then I had the baby because I was like, well, that's something I can do. You know, it was a consultant. I'm like, right. well, that's something I can do when I have, you know, a baby. And like, because it was really hard for me to not work. I didn't realize that when I said I would stay home with our kids. Um, <laughs> yeah. I didn't realize, you know, like, that I would be like, <laughs> um, and so I said, okay, I'm starting my own business. So I did this. And after the baby was born, one of my favorite clients called me and he's like, all right, we need you to recruit a receptionist. And I said, and he knows I'm joking because we had a really good relationship. And I was like, are you kidding me? I haven't even taken a shower in two weeks. And you think I'm going to go to the reception? You know, like a really funny way, not being mean to him. And he just yeah. started laughing because he had three boys. And he was like, aha, you know, like, not told you so because he wanted me to succeed. But he was yeah. like, that's not easy to do that with a newborn. I was like, it's really not. <laughs> so that business kind of took I just stopped. I just stopped. Yeah. Um, and then I started writing because I needed something to do with my time that was like creative. I had to get my creativity out and I had to just do something. Um, and yeah, so that's how it started. So when my newborn was napping and I know everybody says nap when they nap, but I couldn't. So I wrote, I wrote and, and it took me, yeah, it took me 
four years to write that first book <laughs> but not you know not of like this tedious like I wasn't thinking it was going to be a career that I was just writing to again get you know and it was cool to join a writing group because then I got to be around my people for the first time in my life right no, exactly I did so, the same thing and it was getting out of the house and yeah so that's how that was the catalyst and then once I once I decided like maybe I could get this published. That's when it became, and it was around 2013, which is when my second child was born. So it was, the, my kids were the catalyst of it. They were the one that was like, I'm doing this. And yeah, which is really weird because you'd think, why would I put that on myself with a newborn and a three-year-old? But hey. <laughs> no, but it turns out, I think a lot of women do that because I think it's the first time you have to slow down. I mean, yeah. you know, I'm not saying having a child slowing down because God knows I just wanted to pee by myself more than anything in the world. But um, actually, I still do. We still have that conversation. I'm like, do you have to stand outside the door while I pee? He's like, yeah. but I'm talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we're still working on it. But the, I, as of yesterday, he was still standing. So I don't know. No, but I understand, um, I understand totally. <laughs> I don't even know what he was talking about. Minecraft? I don't even know. And I thought, do we need to have this conversation now? Like, I literally just want to go pee. Right. Um, and then I can come back and we can continue the conversation. He's like, but I don't want to stop talking or whatever. Who knows what he said? But um, but it's a catalyst for, I think, a lot of people because I think it's the first time, like, I work, a, I used to work a lot. And it's the first time, and I worked, I was not, I, I was not, I still am not the best at stopping working. So, um, I worked a lot and it was the first time I think that, you know, I had like 90 minutes between naps or three hours, depending. And I was like, well, that's not, a, you know, you can't go anywhere. <laughs> so um, at least I couldn't because I wasn't going to wake him and take him. No, I mean, he, yeah, no, no. You know, he's asleep. So let's just back away slowly, you know. Don't make a sleeping baby. Number one rule. <laughs> <laughs> Don't. No, I'm just look at you, you're back. I'm, I'm going to step out of the room backwards. I'm going to close the door softly, you know, all of that. Um, and then it's like, well, I have three hours or 90 minutes or whatever. Cause he had two different speeds, but, and then, you know, that's the time you're like, well, I'm going to fill. And there's only so much cooking and cleaning and whatever, at least for me, you can do. And I couldn't walk the dog then cause I couldn't leave the house. So, yeah. um, you know, that was, that was, it, it's a, it's a time when, I think a lot of people slow down and start thinking about, I don't know if children do this to a lot of people, but it sort of galvanizes you into, well, now that I've created this life, let me think about the life I'd like to lead. Yeah. Um, yep. And uh, it's having children is interesting. I don't know. I put it off for a lot of, lot of years and it's been a, it's been an interesting experience. It, it makes me a little more reflective than I think I might otherwise have been. Um, especially having somebody tell you how you are because 10 year olds are delightful that way. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> but mommy, you're why don't you? Something. You're responsible for the life of something. Like that's a lot of pressure. Like that's, <laughs> like this is not a plant. So this, I mean, you know, <laughs> eh, my, my whatever died. No, this is, <laughs> and that is a lot, you know, so like it, it kind of changes your whole outlook on things. It's like something relies on me. And no, I think something the other day and I was like, but I got to keep you alive. You know this, right? <laughs> just, just is like, it's not, it's not a low stakes endeavor I'm going to in here. Yeah, I mean, uh, you're 10 years in, you're good. You're doing good. Like, that's what I say to myself. I'm like, you got 10 years on this. I thought about that recently. I thought, oh, but I'm 10 years in and it seems like, okay, like he's, he's growing. Like we just measured him. He grew like a half an inch in three months. It's crazy. 
Um, and I'm like, well, you're growing and you're eating and all your teeth fell out, but they're saying, you know, I took the x-ray and all the other ones are still coming in. So, well, you know, so I'm like, I think, I think, I think we're like, I think we're coasting now (laughs) and then he's going to have hormones and then that'll change. So, um, (laughs) don't remind me, I know it's coming. I give it two years. Like we just, he just bought, he was just like, so occasionally he wants us to buy matching clothes. Like we have matching pajamas and I don't know, we had matching t-shirts from Italy like a couple of years ago. And now we just bought matching hoodies. And um, so the, we had our Christmas photos taken this week and she did a couple of shots of the matching hoodies to make him happy. I don't know if that's going to go out to anyone, but. Oh, um, so cute. I love it. Um, but I was like, we were talking about it and he was like, you know, I'm not going to want to wear matching clothes forever. And I'm like, I know. And I'm like, well, why do you think it's going to change? Cause I, I like to probe him. Cause I keep telling him that like being a teenager changes you, but I don't like, I can't explain like a rush of hormones. Like that's difficult to sort of explain that feeling from the inside. And he's like, I don't know. He's like, but I, I imagine when I'm 15, I'm not going to wear matching clothes with you. And I was like, okay. <laughs> you know, so he's like, and I'm not going to hold your hand when I cross the street. And I'm like, okay. He's like, I don't think I'm going to hug you outside. And I'm like, but what's the change? <laughs> well, that one's it's like, no, no. But like, I mean, but he gets it though. Like, I like that he's like, that he already knows like in the future, like, yeah, I'm not going to wear matching clothes, mom. Like, <laughs> right now, you feel cool. Like, you're so awesome. <laughs> well, no, we talk about it because I, so with two, like, it's, I forget what came up with two. And we were sitting around, I don't know, <laughs> with my two-year-old. And I said to him, so when you move out, and he started crying, right? And I was like, wait, why are you crying? And he was like, I'm never leaving, mommy. <laughs> I'm never leaving you. And I had to like, you know, we had to like, he was, you know, on the upper half of two. This is not like the first part of this. And I looked at him, I go, but my mother doesn't live here. And your dad's mom doesn't live here. And he was like, oh, but I don't think like the thought he had not extrapolated, obviously, because they don't extrapolate that much at that age. Yeah. And so we were just talking about it, reminiscing, I don't know, the other night. And so he was like, he said something, he goes, so when I move out, and I was like, oh, so you're set with moving out now, right? <laughs> How times have changed. No. And he's like, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay. But it, just made me, it just made me laugh because clearly like the evolution has happened that he understands that, you know, he will not be living here when he's 42. Um, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, yeah, I get it. And it's funny because I like this, like I have the same thing with my boys, like, matching we do matching pjs like we just got halloween pjs because we love halloween and you know like my oldest and i had matching vans you know i'm like it was cool and like i say the same thing to myself he didn't say it to me but i say it to myself i'm like this is not gonna go on forever and so like if my kids want to match okay you know like that's yes. I feel like why would i make a big deal about because you know some people are like oh why do you let this and this and this i'm like because it's not gonna happen forever and i'm just enjoying the moment while it's here no, you he's know? not going to want a boo hoodie to show with his mom <laughs> when I'm dropping him off to ninth grade. I just don't see it. I don't um, exactly. <laughs> so we're going to have the boo hoodies and the matching snowy pajamas or whatever they are. Yeah, I don't no. know. They're like fleece pajamas are really hot, by the way. And I live here and it's not hot. It's not cold <laughs> enough for them. Um, but it's just interesting. So what has kept you writing? Um, did you take a hiatus? I feel like you took a hiatus. Um, I t- <laughs> it was a it was a um, a hiatus of I switched from traditional to uh, I think it was a hiatus but it's funny because my last traditional published book came out in September of 2017 and my very first indie book came out in September of 2018 so 
I don't okay. know why it seemed like I took time off because it really did. I mean, it was a you know a year between releases, but still, right. for some people that's normal. For me, it wasn't. But um, it was kind of a hiatus because at the end of that last book is when I was getting to like I was I got separated in December of 2016. So while I was writing that last book, I kind of I even told my editor I was like, I'm going through divorce right now, and I just can't see the happily ever after and. I missed two deadlines and like, she wasn't mad. Like there was no, you know, she understood, you know, but just missed in the sense that I didn't hit them. You know, I, I get, I, I turned the book in. It was actually one of my favorite books. And, but it was like, I just felt like I was out of writing, even though I wasn't. And it was really hard, um, not hard, but it was just very, um, the transition from traditional to indie was a lot for me because I didn't study indie much before that. I just, I, I got it. I wanted to be a hybrid author, but it just ended up that I got a traditional contract first. So that's what I went with. So, you know, I wasn't, so when it came to indie, I felt, I realized I had to like learn all this stuff and learn all this stuff. And I was kind of glad that I came into it when I did, because all of you guys and like who had, who had done it before me, like there were people to ask, you know, that is so true. You know, like I was so, you know, excited, but at the same time during that like year, it was almost like, what what is going on so it seems like a hiatus but it kind of it kind of wasn't when I think about it it felt like it was to me and I also went from writing hockey romance which is my first series to um more like the Saints and Sinners series which is like uh, Russian mafia and um just yeah I just I didn't do hockey romance because I didn't so it's almost like I felt like I lost all of my readers too I didn't right. but like, I felt that way because I got out of one genre and Oh, so, you know, it was just that growing pains of learning something different and figuring out my new path while I was figuring out my new life path. And at the same time, um, yeah. yeah, so it was, it was that kind of hiatus. Um, wow. So I, I did not put a lot of pressure. I used to put a lot of pressure on myself. You know, I used to like think like, oh my gosh, can't believe it took you a year to release between, you know, and like, I thought that was horrible. And now I'm like, dude, you were going <laughs> you're fine you know like it whereas before I would like be really hard on myself like I can't believe it you know but it's like I've learned to like be a little kinder to myself and um it's kind of made all the difference and I think that's why things are like hopping so well right now so no that is so interesting because you're right so I did make the transition from traditional to indie but in 2013 um and that is a transition like I think I sat down so I got my rights back to books and then they were pulled down and I I think I texted a friend um, actually, it's not the name, Serena Clark, I think. And I texted her and I was like, I, I'm I'm not published. Like, who am I? Like, I don't know. I remember sitting, it was probably the summer maybe of 2013, because I think it took me, oh my God, maybe six, seven months to, between the transition between traditional indie to like get the next book out. It, you know, I had to learn like, how do I get to like format a book? Like so many things I just had no clue about. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yep. And it was, a, it was a learning curve. I remember getting an email from a reader who was like, oh, I heard about X book, but I went to find it and it wasn't there. And I think I like had to lay on the floor and I thought, what does this mean? Does it mean I'm not an author? Like, you know, I had an existential crisis over that. But I mean, that it's not, well, like logistically, it's not that hard of a transition probably, but like psychologically, it's a bigger, it's a big transition to think, think differently about how books are produced in the process and all of that. It was, it's, it's, it is not to be underestimated. I'll just say that. And um, I'm not hybrid, so I don't know. But I hear you about the happily ever after. So I haven't written romance since 
I don't know. I'd have to think about that, to be honest. Um, no, I wrote a trilogy um, maybe a year ago. Sorry, for, you know, they come in, they come out. And um, but after that, like, I really do struggle with the half that we're after right now. So I'm writing. So I alternate between. So Amy Austin writes legal thrillers and Sylvie writes romance. Yeah. And so I'm mostly back to the thrillers because nobody has to be happy. <laughs> exactly. Um, and I don't know, like I spend a lot of time actually thinking about, well, do I really know what love is? Do I know what a halfway ever after is? I mean, that's like whatever, but I don't know. I don't know if I'll go back to romance. Like it's something I think about all the time. Like I have two half written books, um, that are romance that I'm like, I thought about this morning when I was biking, I was like, oh, I should probably finish those books. Um, but I just don't, I don't know. I don't know how to write the ending to be frank. So, yeah, and I don't think you should, yeah, I mean, if that's not where you are right now, I don't think you should force yourself to, you know, I think it should be like, they'll stay where they are until that's something I want to go back to. I know, but it just feels, I, for some, and this is like not real, like, you know what I mean? It's a, just a, psychologically, it's just yeah. like, have I abandoned romance? But that's where I started. And what does that mean? And it's, you know, it's in the scope of things that's important because I still get up every day and I get to tell stories that I want to tell. Um, yeah. And I'm like, I mean, I'm like at book 10 of the legal thriller series. It's not as if it just started, but I used to just alternate between I would do one legal thriller, one romance because it psychically, it worked for me at the time. Yeah. Um, and now it's just, I've, this is the first time I think I've done three legal thrillers in a row. And it's interesting because I didn't think I could do it. And then I started, I was like, oh, I could just, do it (laughs) um i know but i felt you know a little bit out of sorts and then um but it's been interesting not to i get the can i continue to do this so what made you able to get back to the happily ever after happy for now or whatever you want to call it um but how did your head get back in that space uh it was just i i have over the last i don't know over the last like it was even before i was divorced um, I was doing a lot of like self-reflection and like, who am I? What, like, who, who, like really who am I and what do I want to be in, you know, what do I want to be when I grow up? I guess um, <laughs> a lot of self-reflection, a lot of meditation, a lot of like just positive reinforcement. Um, again, like treating myself better. Like I realized that I was in such a toxic mindset, mm-hmm. um, and I didn't want to live there anymore. I, I didn't want to be there anymore. And I and, and so what got me back to the happily ever after was that's what I love. Like I just I love writing, and it would not for you know not. I mean I I love it for me. I would love it for right. me. But at the same time, I love creating these characters and just like again the why the why of who they are. Like none of us are you know we're all flawed in some way or have our perfect imperfections. You know, right? And we all deserve love. So right. So I wanted to write those stories because I was like, even this battered down person who, you know, maybe hated themselves at one time, you know, we can come out of that and I can, I will have my happily ever after. And so I wanted to write that again. Like I wanted to write those people like, Mm -hmm. um, and that's, in fact, that's what, I mean, (laughs) it came out in the form of, of mafia, but you know, hey, (laughs) (laughs) you know, like that's what I was like, Hey, what about these mafia dudes who are more like Robin hood that, you know, I mean, cause it was mafia light. I call it because I really want to think about what mafia does. Um, so, you know, it was just like kind of that thing. I'm like, you know, people married, people get married to these people. People are, you know, what is that about? What are these? So it's just like the, it is the psychological and it's the, no, I just, I wanted to be back there um, because I thought if I, if I, I tried to write like a, uh, 
I tried to write like a women's fiction of a divorced middle-aged woman, you know, almost like autobiographical, but not like I wasn't telling my story. And I just found myself so I wasn't into it because I was like, this is not where I want to live in my head. I don't want to live here anymore. I lived this already. I don't want to be here. So I just scrapped it. And maybe someday, you know, I'll go back to it and tell it, but I just, I didn't want to live there. The the world I want to live in is rainbows and puppy dogs, baby. That's what I want to be. (laughs) In my head, that is what's going on. (laughs) Okay. This is fascinating. I wonder. I'll have to think about that. I don't know if I will get back there right now. Although I'm very proud. So 10 books in, my character just just like suddenly has grown. And I was like, oh, good for her. I feel like she's the beneficiary of all the therapy I've had. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, because I looked at it, I was like, oh, you get it now. <laughs> yeah. Um, you get it. You get it. And you're putting it into that character. Like, you get it. I was you like, I'm so proud of you. <laughs> I felt like she was in a prison of her own head. Like she was living small. And I looked up one day and I was like, why is she living like this? Like why, why is she trapped in this belief about herself that she can only be small? Um, and so she's doing quite well, right? Right at the moment. It, you know, of course it's going to turn because, you know, that's how life goes, which is why they're not going to finish dinner. Um, <laughs> I spent a lot of time with them ordering appetizers and then I was like, but they're not eating dinner. So it doesn't matter. I just closed the menu today. Um, but it's just interesting to, I, I love character growth. Actually, I love human growth, um, but I don't get to, you know, I only know so many humans, but I get to have a lot more characters. <laughs> Um, who, who I can see grow and fall in love and f- find out who they are. Because I think that one of the things I've thought a lot about recently is that sort of like relationships, sort of good relationships, or no, I don't want to say good. There are many relationships in your life and a lot of them can help you grow. Healthy. And I'm going to call them healthy relationships. Those are yeah. healthy. The ones, yes, that help you grow. And I, I sort of love that idea. Like not everybody, cause you know, people get stuck with, you know, well, especially getting divorced. I mean, I talked to a lot of people about it and they're like, well, do you feel like you failed? And I'm like, well, I learned everything I needed to learn. And now I'm going to learn something different. Um, but I, I really did. I like learned everything I needed to learn. And then that, that growth opportunity came to an end. Um, but yeah. I don't feel like a failure. I'm like, well, I, but I did it. And I learned a lot and um, I will continue to move forward in the future, learning new things. And I'm sort of fascinated by people learning about themselves and life and whatever generally um, while in relationship. And um, I do enjoy writing about that actually a lot. (laughs) I do a lot. I do. Um, You've heard that like, this is something I always think about and I just keep in the back of my head and it's something I actually really believe it's, and I'm sure you've heard it because it's very, uh, um, I don't know. I'm not stereotypical cliche, I guess, but mm-hmm. people are in your life for a reason, a season or a lifetime. And I right. literally, like, I literally believe that I'm like, not everyone is meant to be there forever. They're meant to, yeah. Help you learn or help you get to a certain point or learn some kind of lesson or an experience. And then it's over. Like, and I guess that's why I don't feel like a failure. I don't feel like, uh, like, I don't know. I'm like, Oh, how could you just, you don't talk to that person anymore. I'm like, no, Nope. We, we, that road has, you know, that, that ship has sailed. It's over. We got what we needed out of each other, you know? And it's, it's just things like that. It's like, I believe that people are there for a reason. And there are people that you have for your whole life. I mean, you know, yeah. 
So. No, I thought about it. So when I so in Los Angeles, when you get to the end of the freeway, like that's where the beach is, and it says freeway ends. And I was like, nobody like gets off the freeway and go, well, this is a tragedy. It's just like <laughs> the end. There's the beach. Like it's not like oh my god, the ten freeway ended. We're all gonna die. You know, it's sort of right. like you make a transition, and then there's something different on the other side. That um, is such a failure. How could it just end? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, exactly. That's a perfect way to say it. It's a transition. There's some, there's always something else on the other side or behind that door or under, oh, you know, like open the window and something else is going to come through, you know, or you're going to climb out or something. <laughs> no. Oh, so there was this article. Um, I will skip the RWA background for this, but there was an article about <laughs> Vivian Stevens and she was talking about like, sometimes people hold so tightly to something that they don't realize what they open their hand, they could have more. Yeah. And I was like, Oh my God, you're right. Like it's, you know, cause we're like, I can't, I can't let go. I can't let go. And it's like, if you open your hand, it's like more bigger, different, whatever it is. Um, yes. things in store for you. And it's just, um, I actually, I found that to be true. I, I found the quote to be quite eloquent. I was like, oh, look at you. Um, <laughs> I love this. Yeah. Okay. So I guess, so I'm going to ask you this one last question and then I like you, you go back to writing. What is your, what, okay, let me preface this. There's an author I know, um, her name is actually Lynn Marshall. She's, she writes um, medical romance and then now she transitioned to a different kind of romance. But yeah. Um, Years ago, I wrote a book that I don't like, um, and it's actually one of my bestsellers. It's a whole, <laughs> I don't even know. Like, And I was, I don't know, we were at coffee together or something, and she was like, well, you have to, like, you don't have to, it's, not, well, I don't know, I only have one child, so I can't speak on loving children equally. Um, but she was like, you have to sort of love it enough to birth it into the world because your perception of it is not the same as everybody else's perception of it. That said, I have a couple of favorite books <laughs> of mine. Like I, I, you know, I wake up and I, I think I'm so glad I wrote that book. I love it. And some of them I'm like, you know, I could take it or leave it, to be honest. Like I wrote it and I was like, I don't know, you know, whatever. Um, yeah. But do you do you have a book that's like your favorite or I don't want to say your favorite, but something about it touches you in a way that the other ones don't? Um, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, actually. <laughs> I probably have two, but yeah, I have two, but uh, I'll say the first one because it came out first. Um, my book, Unsportsmanlike Conduct, mm-hmm. which um, came out as part of my hockey series with uh, Random House, which was then, like you said, like we had as a traditional, got rights back to it. And so that series will be coming out 2021, people. Um, so it'll be re-released uh, 2021. And that was, I just, I loved everything about it. The heroine is a... Um, uh, 21 year old or 22 year old with cystic fibrosis. Okay. And so like every day, like uh, she doesn't know how long she's going to live. Like literally, like literally that's how people with CF um, are. And thank, you know, thank goodness there's been so many, you know, dramatic increases in life expectancy and what they can do. Um, but I think that's one of my favorite because I just, I had to write this person who was right. liver, literally living every day. Like it was her last. Mm-hmm. Um and I just really was proud of it. And I love the characters and I love who I put her with, who was a guy that everyone hated from the first three books of the series. Cause he was like that douchebag, And, you know, and I was like, but well, don't worry, I'm going to redeem him. Don't worry. Like, you know, don't worry people. But I wanted it. I wanted them to feel that way about him. You know, like I wanted that reader reaction. Um, and I had so many people tell me it was their favorite as well. Okay. Because they're like, number one, you redeem the crap out of him. And, you know, like, they, they didn't expect that, to see that coming. And, again, it's 
um, for me, it was putting someone with a, I mean, that's an illness, you know, that's a, she, you know, born with it and has it for the rest of her life, you know, right. it's a disability and it's a, um, but showing that these people are heroines, they are, you know, you don't have to be this perfect thin, you know what I mean? Like, I don't yeah. know. There's this thing about heroines where you have to be this perfect, whatever specimen of female or, you know, like the men perfect. And it's like, like everyone deserves their happily ever after, you know, like, so it's just trying to change people's perception of who that heroine is or who that, you know, it's like, it could be any of us that get our happily right. ever after. So I want to put people into that. So yeah, so that was my favorite book and I just really loved it. Um, I, I love that. It. <laughs> no, but I love that because that's, yes. So I think I was, I don't know, like, so I, well, I read mostly romance. That's actually not true. Maybe 50% romance, but I used to read, like I used to be one of the the readers I have now, you know, I could read like four or five books a week. Um, yeah. I read all through college. I was like, I only have to be in class two hours a day. Well, let me tell you how this is going to go. Um, uh, I used to, oh God, I read so many romances. I, I used to, the public library and I were very tight, you know, <laughs> they're like, they're, they're in. I'm like, I'm taking them all out. Um but I, it, it was, and the, that's where the line came for me. Cause there were some heroines who, you know, they're baking cupcakes and they look perfect. And like, and I was like, but they're like the kind of person that anybody could fall in love with, you know? And I wanted to write books and I have to have my thought about this where they didn't have to be perfect. Like they could be loved despite or because of who they were and who they were was not perfect, not perfectly thin or not perfectly cupcake baking or whatever it was like they had issues and I wanted um and a lot of my readers like my heroes more than my heroines which I you know is the whole thing but they're like yeah she's so flawed and I'm like but she's lovable like if you know yeah she's not perfect like you know (laughs) she's not perfect um but that doesn't mean that it doesn't mean that she shouldn't be loved and that somebody can't love her and that they can't come together and help in well, in any different books, but like they're both growing together to be more fully realized people. Um, but each themselves are not perfect. And yeah. um, oh, absolutely, it's a reality. It's it's basically I mean, romance is a fantasy. You know, it is right. a yeah. genre of fantasy. But I feel like, and and I think it's very now more than ever. Um, mm-hmm. You can have real people. You know, it right. doesn't have to be that. Um, and, and let's do, I mean, let's call it what it is. It's, it's society expectations. You know what I mean? Right. It's put on up to us by, you know, what we're ingrained with our entire life of being, you know, perfect. Because perfect isn't everyone's perfect. You know, the perfect in some books are not everyone's perfect. Correct. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Just we want, I want real, I want to read real flawed people. I want to read the people where I'm like, no, don't do that. That was not the right decision. <laughs> I'm not going to the like, oh my gosh, you're just horrible. You know, when it's like, no, that's what made it awesome because that person is flawed. They weren't making all the right choices. They didn't have all the answers. That's how you grow. Like, I don't, I don't know. I just, I don't want to read about a person as like all your, all your ducks are in a row your whole life. Oh, good for you. Like, I don't know. That's not an exciting thing for me. You know, I want it to be like, oh, but how does she get out of that? Or, oh man, you know? Yes, so, I know. Yeah, I, I want to feel when I read, like I want to be transported into a fantasy world or into something, but I want to like feel that, I, you know? Oh, this is so interesting. So I had this conversation with like Jen LeBlanc. We were talking about book covers, which is not. And we were discussing like why we read. And it's actually the first time anybody asked me, what is it you're looking for when you're reading? 
and you know I was like you know my 40s and I was like wait what and she was like what are you looking for in your reading and I after I had to sit and think about it for like a minute or 20 I was like oh I'm looking for a certain feeling and she was like she was looking for something different I don't remember what it was she was looking for and I thought it was the first time I was like oh different readers are looking for different things because what I I'm seriously looking for I, I'm looking for a book that makes me feel so much where I have to put it down, where I'm like, oh, no, I have to put this down for a minute. Let me go, you know, yeah, like do something else. Because I was like, I don't know how this is going to turn out, but I got to put this down for a minute because I'm like extremely worried or I'm not going to be able to sleep or whatever it is. And I'm looking for that. And I realize that that's not something everybody is looking for, but it's the kind of I like that sort of hook where you're just yeah. like, oh, my God, did she really do that now? What Now what? <laughs> Like, now what? Like, who's going to fix this? Like, you know, this I don't even know what's going to happen. But I do love that about a book. I love sort of angsty books. And I realize in romance, I now realize that not all readers are looking for that. Um, no, so- everyone wants their something. Di- you know, sometimes, and, and it changes, you know, right. daily. You know, it's like, oh, I just want like a light beachy read. Or now I want, you know, mystery. You know, I want a thriller. Now, and, right. but you know what? It's so funny because, before I started writing romance, I didn't read a lot of romance. And this is really funny, like me. <laughs> like, oh. I started reading romance when I started writing romance because I needed, you know, obviously I needed to know the genre and I needed to study. And right. um, I was reading high fantasy young adult was my favorite genre. If we're talking about, like, like that kind of fiction. I love classic fiction. I love Russian. Right. Those are, like, but I love high fantasy young adult. And why? Why am I drawn to that? I think because they're they're written by adults obviously but like the, mm-hmm. they're kids they make all these stupid decisions <laughs> <laughs> they do and they're supposed to you know what I mean like every single decision you're like no <laughs> because I'm obviously reading it as an adult like you right. know but like I think that's what I love about it because they are these people that don't have the fully con- you know fully formatted brains who are you know they know what to do they know how to act in this situation no they're just like and then, you know, sometimes you're like, oh, that 14-year-old girl ain't going to be able to. Yeah, she did just beat those zombies, you know. <laughs> because, you know, it ta- it's that. That's the fantasy for me. That's the taking me out and just making me feel. And it's like, like, just stuff like that. That was always, like, really cool. For- I still love reading high fantasy. But, um, and I love young adults. probably my favorite. Uh, but it's just stuff like that. Like, yeah, it's like it makes you, I don't know. Like, yeah. I'm yeah, really feeling I can I like getting into the character's head like well, why why is she doing this or he you know why are they doing mm. this? what's going on what's yeah yeah no that's so interesting so did you read I I don't know if you read this do you have a copy on your shelf of the um Deborah Dixon's um goal motivation and conflict yeah <laughs> I know um I, okay. don't we have to I don't think you can even be a writer if you don't right like you know? I don't know I have two like I have one on the shelf here but then I I was in Budapest one summer and I was like oh oh my god I gotta download the ebook and by then they had an ebook before then there was no ebook yeah. um and I was like oh I gotta get an ebook like because I reread the book every time I write a book which is a whole different conversation like every yeah. time I write no I get like 10 20 000 words in and I go oh crap I gotta I gotta figure out what the motivation is like every single time like I I'm doing it right now because I'm yeah. like ten and a half thousand words in and I was like I got my pencil out I drew my little chart and I was like here we go um but it's just it's all it's, about that GMC. That's what I say. I'm like, GMC. 
but it is all about the why and that's where i like to live i'm like but why but why and it's the only place i ask why because i've learned in life asking why actually doesn't get me anywhere i don't ever ask why about people's behavior motivation to me it's all about what they do so the why they do it is not i can't do anything with that information so i no longer ask but fiction is the one place where i can still ask (laughs) Like, oh, I love that. That's really interesting. And it will, because we're creating those characters. So we kind of need to know the why, you know, right, like, yeah. you know, people's were like, oh, why are they doing that? But it's right. funny because I do that. I, it, that's so good because I do look at people's whys in real life. And I'm like, oh, that's why they are who oh. they are because this and this and this, and that's how they dealt with this. And I'm like, oh, like I, because my head goes off into multiple. Oh, that's so interesting because now, so I used to spend a lot of time in why, and this is my own personal interpersonal relationship stuff probably right now. But sometimes I'm like, oh, well, they did a bad thing. So the why doesn't matter. Like what they're going to do about it, you know, is the, is the true thing I need to focus on. But I no longer get, I no longer ask the why. Um, because I don't, it's actually, okay. Character wise, like personally wise, I'd, I'd be interested in the why, but I no longer ask because it doesn't change behavior. Um, and people behave how they behave. So the why. Doesn't yeah, well, no, I know. What you mean. Well, I don't believe it. I can change people's behavior. So no, right, you know, yeah. I no. can't do anything. So yeah. So no, I don't like, I just like knowing the why. I don't think I ask people why, like, I don't no, I don't ask people why, but I love knowing the why I'm like, oh. Oh, that's interesting. I'm going to think about why for everything. Some people are just, you know, some situations don't have a why or that's they do, but it never comes out. You know what I mean? No. And I just I had this conversation with people anymore where I used to, like, I think hmm. we like, at the beginning of the conversation, you said about disappointments and I'm like, right. I honestly don't really get disappointed anymore because I don't have expectations. And when you let go of expectations, you don't get disappointed. No, that's true. It's one of the things I used to do when I had, like, when I last worked outside of the home, like managing expectations was more important to me than the product because it was like, let's manage your expectations of how this may turn out. And then we can deal with how we're going to approach the problem or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, but I did recently, so I recently had this conversation with the, with the 10 year old, at which point he was, he was asking me why somebody did something who knows, um, you know, children. And I looked at him and I said, sometimes you don't get to know the why. And he looked yeah. and he's like, he's like, but how do you like, how do you sleep at night? And I was like, I don't know, age. I was like, somebody did something recently. And for a moment, I thought, why? And I thought, eh, I don't even know if I care anymore. <laughs> I was like, I got stuff to do. And like, I, this is a rabbit hole and I got, I got other things to do. Um, but I don't, um, I'm going to think about that. I'm going to think more about why. But I do think about it character-wise always because why? Because I need to know why. Because otherwise they're just, you know, <laughs> they're just mowing through life and mowing people down. Oh, but yeah. I, I definitely yeah, need to I get in, in a real life situation. I just think it's interesting, you know, because really? I just love like, like I was a sociology minor in college. So, hey, creative writing and sociology. <laughs> I just really wanted, I, I think it's really interesting to be in people's heads. <laughs> and like, so the why, but like, yeah, but I don't usually ask it. I'm just kind of like, huh. But if it comes out, I'm like, that is very interesting. Oh, okay, I'm gonna re. I'm gonna think more about that. That's actually what I'm gonna think about. Actually, no, what I'm gonna do is I gotta get these people out of the restaurant because I, I was just gonna say no. You gotta go back to that scene. Cause we have to- I gotta get them out of the restaurant. Like, I, well, the thing is, I stopped writing last night. Actually, I got too sleepy. I don't know. And I was like, oh, I can't write anymore because I'm too sleepy to sit up and type. Um, and then this morning, I was like, well, then I'm gonna go biking, and then I'm gonna see this friend, and then I'm gonna record this podcast. So it's been like a good, you know, twelve hours. Um, just been sitting there eating. <laughs> 
not knowing what's happening. And not knowing that the bombshell's coming, you just wait till it gets dropped. And then, and I don't know what's going to happen next. Like she's all in bombshell mode lately in her life. And I just, I'm like, well, what is going to happen? Because well, what I've learned about writing fiction is that you can't hold off anything. So you just throw the bombshell at them and then yeah. see what happens. <laughs> yeah, figure it out, people. Like, what are you going to do now? <laughs> Um, so I'm going to throw it at her at like, I don't know, you know, chapter six and then who knows. All right. So I'm going to let you go back to writing because, um, you were in it. You were in it. This is um, so fun though. This was a great, it was a good break though. Like I needed a break. I've been in it for a long time today. So I needed to like, just stand up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know. It's so hard. So I'm going to ask you, what is the name of your dog? Uh, my dog's name is Maggie. <laughs> okay. Yeah, Maggie May. Good old. Rod Stewart reference. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. I lately have been asking people the names of their dogs because it's just um it's actually quite interesting. I didn't I don't think like people tell me the name of their dog and then I don't know if I think about it that much. But now I'm just asking people the names of their dogs. Yeah. I like what, I like, like she, what she came with. Like we rescued her and mm-hmm. when she was six months old and her name was Maggie and I was like, eh, it's probably gonna be confusing if we change it. So I just kept her Maggie. <laughs> oh, I once changed a dog's name. The dog's name was Sandy, I think, but she was nine months. Um, and I was like, no, 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 you're Foley. Um, and, that's, and that's how we go forward. Um, I like that. I like Foley. I heard it on TV once and I was like, oh, I got to have a dog named Foley too. <laughs> Actually, I'm going to, I don't have a dog right now, but I, because I travel too much, but I have, I have my future dog names mapped out. <laughs> Let me just say that. I love it. <laughs> don't have a dog to fill the slot, but I got the names mapped out ahead of time. Um, Cause my first dog's name was Muffin. And I realized later that maybe um, your eight year old child should not name a dog. So <laughs> just saying. <laughs> Cause my mother looks at me, she goes, really? And I'm like, no, no, no. The dog's going to be named Muffin. And you know, you know, 10 years later, <laughs> I was like, oh, I see. <laughs> Gotcha. Gotcha. But my eight-year-old me was thrilled. Oh, yeah. Heck yeah. All right. Well, I'm so, so delighted that you talked to me. It's so good to hear your voice. It was Um, This is a really fun podcast. Like, this was really cool. You know, it was different. And I like that. So thank you so much for having me. Like, a great conversation. I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. This has been a time to thrill with Amy Austin, who also writes as Sylvie Fox. It's been a pleasure, dear readers and dear listeners. I can't wait to talk to you again. Next up will be New York Times bestselling author Evelyn Adams. Stay safe out there, people. <laughs>